Good morning. Uh, Jimmy's on it. This is, this is, this is a first for me. I, I have never had the opportunity to preach while Jared is actually still in the building, and I feel like those notes is just like an assessment form. He's just checking boxes. <laughs> it is, it, it's my honor and privilege to get to, uh, to speak to you this morning and, and deliver God's word for you, uh, but I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity while Jared is here to say in October, Pastor Appreciation Month, how much I, I deeply appreciate him as my pastor and for everything that, that he does for this church, as well as for me personally uh, and the relationship that uh, we've built over the years. Uh, I, I am so appreciative of who you are and everything that you do for, for me and for this church. So let's, let's give him a hand here. That was really just a ploy so that I could lead in with applause. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> we, are, we are continuing a series that we have been going through uh, called Under Construction. And uh, we, uh, Jared has been taking us through uh, the book of Matthew. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is a, a, ser- a sermon that Jesus gave on the Mount, where he talked about all sorts of different things uh, that, that none of us really struggle with too much greed and lust and forgiveness and anger. Uh, that's stuff that none, none of us need to deal with. We got that checked off. We're good, right? If you're anything like me, these are very, very useful messages that, that I appreciate. Uh, and, and Jesus laid this out. We have it here in Matthew as the Sermon on the Mount, but it's really more, more likely just what Jesus would preach about as he'd go and, and meet different crowds, as, as he would travel all over, everywhere he would go. Crowds would come to him for his excellent teaching, for the miracles that he's performing, for who he was. And so these, these are the messages that, that he would deliver. And as we, as we take a look at all of these different things that Jesus lays out for us, he's, he's laying out, this is a way you may have been told to live your life, but this is, this is what I say. And he lays out these challenges for our lives that are going to, they're going to need some work. It's going to require some construction, but it's going to lead to a better life. And so we are all under construction. What kind of life do you want to build? As we, as we take a look at these different lessons, how can you apply them? How can you be trying to lean in closer to following the example that, that Christ has laid out for us? So let's jump right in. We're in Matthew chapter 5, picking up at verse 43. Jesus is teaching about loving our enemies. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind to only your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So real simple. Just love your enemies, done, got it. Jesus lays out a pretty big gauntlet here. To, to me, this is, this is quite difficult. As someone from Chicago, I struggle to love the people I love, and I'm being told to love my enemies. So this is, like, the bar's pretty high. But... Uh, and, and, and to even cap it off with, you are to be perfect. 
even as, as your Father in heaven is perfect. When I see that, I, it's like, okay, so that sounds great. Unattainable, not for me. Cool. Not exactly. We can break it down. We can, we can make this a reality. Let's, let's, let's dive into it and see what, what Jesus is saying. We're going to come back to that perfect part. If we just get right to the beginning, love your neighbor. Yes, that sounds right to me. I get that. Jesus is saying the law, you've heard this before, love your neighbor, but he loses me right after that and hate your enemy. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a law that, that I'm familiar with. And, and what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the law, he's talking about the law of the Old Testament, the, the, the rules that God laid out for the Israelite people. And so we can actually find exactly what Jesus is talking about here. If we go to Leviticus, everyone's favorite leisurely read, Leviticus, which is literally just a book of laws. It's, it's the rules laid out for the priests. That's what this book is about. And so Leviticus chapter 19, 17 and 18, this is where Jesus is quoting from here. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly so that you will not be held guilty for their sin. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow, fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this is, this is what Jesus is quoting. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and it's laid out here, all right, you're supposed to have good relation with your family. Don't, don't allow there to be unrest between you and your family. Don't hold grudges, right? These are things we're familiar with hearing. So I keep getting caught up on and hate your enemy. Where is that coming from? Well, at this time, that was a common way that people would, would say this. They'd say it to people in, in conversation. Well, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So if, if the, the rule that I have to follow is love my neighbor, but I get to hate my enemy, that's a much easier thing to follow. That bar is, is much lower because Jesus even tells us, if you love the ones that love you, that's easy. I can love my neighbor. It's loving the enemy that's hard. And so... I feel like we get pretty quickly to a question then. If I can love my neighbor and hate my enemy, who's my neighbor? Who's, who's the person that I actually have to, to be good to? Who do I have to love? And so uh, I think that, that, that that's a logical question, and I'm clearly not the first person to ask it, because we actually even have a great example of that in the Bible as well. In Luke chapter 10, this is another, it's another gospel literally means the good news. This is one of the first four books of the New Testament, just like Matthew, and it's one of the four books that that tells us about Jesus's life here on earth. And so in Luke chapter 10, a lawyer comes to Jesus and he asks him a question. He says, what do I have to do to get eternal life? How do I receive salvation? Which I think is a question a lot of us would ask. What's, like the, what's the minimum? What do I have to do in order to get that? And Jesus, like most good teachers, asks the great question, well, what do you think about that? So the guy says, well, I, I think, based on everything I've studied, that I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, and I should love my neighbor as myself. Jesus says, that's right, you got it. That's, that's the Old Testament in, in the most bite-sized piece I can give you. Love God, love your neighbor. And so at uh, Luke, 20, Luke 10, verse 29, the lawyer pipes up. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
right? Like, this is the normal thing. When I'm told that this is what I have to do, I want to know, like, what are you asking of me? What, what's the rule? I need some clarification. What exactly are you asking of me? But, but Jesus goes on, and, and he tells the great story of the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan, and, and he really flips this idea of neighbor on its head. But even if we look back at Matthew uh, 5, where we started, this is, Jesus is really saying it's not just about a neighbor, it's so much more than that. In verse 44, but I say love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Right, of course I like my friends, my, my relatives, my neighbors. It's easy to love those that love you. Even tax collectors do that. Jesus loves to hate on tax collectors because they were at this time so easy to hate on. Like they were just corrupt people that we're here to oppress you and take your money. Like, that's someone we can all enjoy the company of, right? So, Jesus, even those guys are living up to that standard. My standard is higher. You should love your enemy. That is what's going to set you apart as a child of God. So, that very quickly leads me to another question. Who's my enemy? Who, who do I have to love? So, if you're going to raise the gauntlet, okay, it's easy to love the people who, I, who love me. Who else do I have to love? Who is my enemy? I mean, I'm like the lawyer in Luke. I, I want to show me, like, all of the written rules so I can find the loophole so that I can get around. What is the minimum I have to do to get away with this? My mind kind of takes the word enemy to an extreme, I was, I was talking to Jared about this, and I was like, who, who is an enemy? And I, 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 I think an enemy is someone that like, wants me dead at all costs. It's like this arch nemesis that just cannot, I can't stand their presence. They can't stand my presence. It's just like someone that, that would, would kill me on sight. And I'm like, well, I don't think I have any of those. So I'm good. No enemies, right? I'm good to go. Like, it, who, who is someone that, that hates me at that much level? I'm like, I, ISIS? I don't know. I don't have a day-to-day interaction with them. So I, it's not someone that's like in my sphere of influence. What is, it's like that is someone that fundamentally hates the values and the person of who I am. Like, okay, that seems like an enemy. It's going to be difficult to love that person. But I think if, if we relax that definition of enemy, I think we make a lot of enemies. Just in our day-to-day lives, we, we create enemies all the time. When our in-laws get on our nerves, we can create some enemies. Your neighbor that just keeps letting their grass get too long, or letting their dog poop in your yard. Your, your boss at work that has no idea what it is that you actually do, or themselves for that matter. Not me. I told you, love my boss make that clear. Very much today, uh, I think that we see uh, if you are the wrong political party than the one I agree with, it's not just a, a change in values or a disagreement, it's now an enemy that we are fighting against one another on and on and on. I think that we can come up with enemies that we're creating in our own lives. So rather than this, this idea of this big arch nemesis, I think clearly we, we can find enemies that we've, we are holding on to in our lives. I, I don't think it, it has to be this idea of like the Hatfields and the McCoys. 
Like it's not that level of rivalry that is an enemy, but just someone that, that we find a disagreement with. And I think a lot of times, rather than do what Jesus does, calling us to love them, we, we find it a lot easier to just kind of write those people off. To say, I, I'm just not going to spend energy on you, or I'm going to physically push you away so that I don't have to deal with you anymore. I don't agree with you. I don't like something that you've done. You've offended me. I'm done with you. How do, we, how do we deal with the enemies that we have in our lives today? What, what are the common ways that, that we actually are handling these situations? I, I came up with four, four ideas. The first of which is aggression. Now, I will say this one is probably more rare. People are not often straight aggressive with their enemies, but it, it does happen. It certainly can be true. Someone you just see uh, like bumps grocery carts at, the, uh, at Mariano's and suddenly someone's screaming and yelling at someone else, physically fighting. Jared, Jared was telling me this week, as, as the entire village seems to be under construction, uh, our roads are all torn up and, and lanes are constantly coming and going. And there was uh, a guy in a truck trying to get on Jefferson when it was just down to one lane. And so he had to merge into traffic, and he just decided, my time's really important right now. I'm just going to be in that lane now, at which point another truck was in that lane, and he just hit him. Like, this is mine now. Get out of my way. That, that's aggression. And I think we see it around. That's how we deal with our enemies, right? There's, there's another one that I, I feel is a lot more common in this area that would be passive aggression, I have a problem with you. I'm not going to tell you. I will not confront you, but you will pay. (laughs) Like, one way or another, you should figure out that I have a problem with you, but I just won't tell you. Right? That's when, when the neighbor's dog is pooping in your yard, that's when you go and clean up your yard, and then you just chuck it into the neighbor's yard. (laughs) Hey, is something there? I didn't know. How'd that get there? Another one that I, I think is pretty common is gossip. Again, I'm, I'm going to deal with this situation. I'm not going to talk to you about it, but I will make sure everyone else knows how wrong you are. We go on a smear campaign. How can I make sure everyone understands that I was wronged, that I did nothing wrong, and that they're the worst? That just needs to be put out there. We gossip. And finally, we ignore you're dead to me, you're not even worth my time. The neighbor's dog won't stop pooping in your yard, so you build a fence. Nope, you can't come in. I don't need anyone else to come in. I'm just going to isolate myself in my own little world, and now I don't have to deal with you anymore. I think, I think if, if we're honest, some of us have, have taken part in all of these at one point or another, particularly if you have siblings or in-laws. But Jesus calls us to more. He calls us to so much more than that. He says, what is the reward for loving those who already love you? We're called to love our enemies. Back in, in Matthew 5, verse 44, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. 
In that way, you'll be acting as the true children of your Father in heaven. He's saying, if you're going to not just love those that are easy, but you love everyone, you're going to be more like God. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from, from anyone else? Even pagans do that. Right? So I get that idea, but I just get so hung up on verse 48. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Like that is a huge challenge. I really struggle with that. I try to be perfect in most things that I do. Like I, I strive for perfection throughout my life, but it is something that is just not attainable. And so I try to live my life with excellence, which is doing the best that I possibly can at something and whatever result comes from that. Perfection is something that, that will constantly elude us. We're human. We make mistakes. We're fallible. We're not going to reach perfection, but Jesus is calling us to be perfect. So what does that mean? Well, if we look at the actual Greek here, the word that is used for perfect is teleos. And this word is Greek for perfection, but it's, it's not exactly the perfection that we think of today as having zero fault, having zero flaw. Not so much of that way of perfection, so much as it's an idea that something will be perfect when it is fulfilling its function that it was designed for. And so a man that starts as a boy and becomes a teenager and grows up, he is always human, but it's when he becomes a man as an adult that he reaches perfection because he's full grown. He's realized the potential for which he was created and he has become that. A, a student that's, that's studying a new subject, when they finally understand that topic, when, when like you get the PhD and you really know an idea... You have become perfect in that idea. You've, you've finally gotten it. Perfection isn't this, this like no flaws. It's functional. It's a thing is perfect when it realizes the purpose for which it was created. And so uh, there's a, a little example I have. And that is that we have these two blocks that should be together, but they're just not. It's, there's something off about them. And so I, there's a couple screws here in this, these blocks, and there's so many screwdrivers available, so many different tools. But, you know, I have a certain size hand, so I try to use something that's too small, and it's just not quite as functional as I need it to be. If, if I grab a screwdriver, it, it has a certain fitting at the end. This is a flathead screwdriver. I can try as hard as I would like, but I'm never able to get this screw to go in because there's just no fit between them. This isn't the correct tool that I should be searching for here. And I have so many different ones that I could keep trying, but at the end of the day, it's, I know that none of these tools I have right here are going to fit properly here because for these particular screws that, that I used... They're fantastic uh, for any projects that, that you may be working on, 
I'm not sponsored. Uh, but uh, this brand is, is just great. It's a, it's a really good screw. It's, it's, it's really strong. It, it, has, it self-taps itself. It binds so well. It's, it's a fantastic screw. But even beyond just the quality of the product itself, when you buy these screws, they come with a particular attachment in the box. It comes with its own screw bit that you can use with tools that you already have because this screw bit is a perfect fit into this screw. And so it's not just a random hex head that is a little too small or a little too big so that as I screw it in, it slips and it misses. It is precision machined for this screw. And so as I take this screwdriver, which just fits my hand just right, and it, it is able to accept this bit, and then as I screw it into this screw, it just makes perfect connection where I can get great leverage. I now take these two pieces that could not be combined before, and they are now perfectly held together. This screwdriver was perfect. This is the function for which it was designed, and it was used for that function, and so now it is perfect. That is the word that we're looking at here. That's what Jesus is calling us to. I now have this thing that, that is stronger than it was before. I now have a bond that, that cannot easily be broken. When, when we're called to love, that's what Jesus is saying. He says, with love, you're going to be stronger together. It's going to bind you together in a way that it's, it's more complete than it was when it started. We can realize our perfection when we learn to love as God loves, to forgive as God forgives, which is to say, without exception. It's, it's so easy for us to love those that love us back, but Jesus calls us to love beyond that so that we can be true children of our Father in heaven because God's love does not discriminate. It has no season. It does not end. And so if we can apply that same type of love in which we do not apply biases, we don't, we don't reserve it for those that it's easier to love, but we love even our enemies, that's loving like God. So we're called to love our enemies. Really in this, Jesus is saying, don't just love your neighbor, but also love your enemy. I, I really see that as Jesus laying out the gauntlet as love everybody. Not just the easy ones, but the hard ones. Not just those that like you back, but those that do not like you, those that have offended you, those that have uh, done things that have upset you or you just feel are not aligned with your values. Love even those people. Because the entire gauntlet all the way across, those are the people that God loves. I think he calls us to love our enemies knowing that that'll be the hardest for us. That if we're able to love our enemies, that we'll be able to love everyone. So how do we do that? How do we love the people that we like the least? There's a couple of things. One, ask yourself, why are they your enemy? Why are they even your enemy in the first place? At this time, Jesus is, is knocking on the tax collectors because they work for Rome. And the Israelite, the, the Jewish people, they hate Rome. Rome has come in and occupies them. They are the enemy 
they have taken rule over them. They are their king now, and they don't accept them as a king. God is our king. And so these Romans have come in, and the Jewish people hate them. They are their enemy. To Rome, they don't care. The Jewish people are not going to tear down the Roman Empire. They just, they're not even a blip on the radar. They collect some taxes. Cool. Keep doing your thing. Are you holding on to an enemy that doesn't even know it's an enemy? This is like the people that something bad happens in traffic or, or their car breaks down and they get out and they start like punching their car. Like, it's not your, the car doesn't care. Like, you're not helping. You're only hurting yourself by holding on to this enemy. So maybe, maybe we've identified someone that, should they even be an enemy? We can move on to the next step, which is to forgive your enemies. Maybe, maybe you come to realize that that's really not something I should be holding on to anyway. That's, that's an easy one to forgive. Okay, they root for a different sports team. I will forgive them. A little easier for some. Maybe the hardest thing for some of you. But even those that, that you know the offense, you know why they're your enemy, you know what they've done to you, by holding on to that, you are still only hurting yourself. When you allow yourself to move past that hurt, you are creating freedom in your own life. As you forgive that enemy that you're holding on to, it creates a better life for yourself, as well as the relationship that is there. Finally, we can pray for our enemies. When you bring someone before God in prayer, it's really hard to keep hating them. When, when you're praying for someone else, God will soften your heart for that person. He's going to help you to see that person as he does. You're not going to be able to continue to hate someone that you are continuing to pray for. It's challenging because it's hard to even form the words to begin to pray for someone that you hate. But if you allow yourself to invite God into that situation, he's going to start breaking that down for you. We're called to love our enemies. It seems to me like when I think of it at the front, it's just this impossible hurdle that I'll never clear. But what Jesus is telling us is, is that there is already a love abounding through Christ. That if we allow that to work through us, we'll be able to live in a way that we stop seeing enemies. And, and as we begin to see everyone as God sees them, he'll allow us to forgive them as well. Let's pray. God, I pray that, that you would give us a heart for others. God, as, as we go through our day, as we are dealing with our family, or our coworkers, or our boss, I pray that, that you would allow us to see people as you do. God, give us the love that you have for others. God, I, I pray that you would open our eyes. God, let, let us see the people that, that we have made enemies in our lives, 
whether it's someone that we're feuding with or someone that we've completely written off, God, I pray that you would help us to see the ways in which we can mend relationships. God, help us to forgive. Help us to allow ourselves to release the hurt and the pain that we have suffered that is only holding ourselves back. God, and allow us to forgive those that have already hurt us. God, help us to build bridges, to mend relationships with those that we have pushed away, to find ways that we can continue to love the way that you would. Make opportunities for love in our lives. God, just open our eyes so that we can see the ways that, that we can reach out with an encouraging word, a hug when someone needs it, a letter to let them know what we've gone through. God, I pray that you would provide us ways to extend your love. God, we love you. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.